Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I am the Echo's Everton FC correspondent. Alongside me today in the sunshine from our respective living rooms, we've got Con- well, Vic Connors in the office actually. We've got Connor O'Neill, the colleague, and we've got Gav Buckland as well, our long-time regular contributor. Now we were going to start, I mean the whole point of this podcast was really to kind of do an end-of-season round, but we've got breaking news to kickstart it on this Friday afternoon which is when we're recording, and that is that Everton have announced what is essentially their retained list. So about half an hour before we've come on, the club have confirmed, I think the departures we largely already knew about. We knew that Yerry Mina was going, obviously he put that big statement out before the Bournemouth game. We knew that Asmir Begovic was going because he's similarly posted on social media to suggest, you know, with his goodbye message. Although it appears that he was at least offered a contact and has turned it down as opposed to being let go in, in that respect. And we've got Andros Townsend, who we didn't quite know about, but we I think we all suspected that following his injury issues, he would probably leave and he hasn't been offered a deal. But the players that have been offered a deal, Seamus Coleman, Rene Nieko fully expected him to be given the opportunity to stay as long as he wanted. And he has the club captain. He has been offered a new deal. Andy Lonergan, third choice goalkeeper, uh, someone who is respected a lot at Finch Farm. Alan Kelly, the goalkeeping coach, is a big believer that you know, Andy Lonergan does a lot of work, which is kind of lays the foundation for what Jordan Pickford um, has been able to achieve over the last few years. That goal goalkeeping unit, very much a case of providing you know a wonderful foundation of the you know, Begovic and, and and Lonergan in particular for Pickford to shine. And the other one is Tom Davis, which perhaps caught a few people by surprise and is certainly lighting up my notifications and probably a few others. We'll start there, and Connor O'Neill. What do you think? Any you are you surprised by any of that? What, what are your thoughts on on particularly the free players who've been offered a deal? I think the not surprised on Seamus Coleman first and foremost. We like you alluded to there, Joe. I think we always knew his future was in his own hands. Essentially, you know, if he wants to stay around and and be a figure among the club as a player, that was always going to be you know an option to him. It, it's very much kind of the ball is in his course. I think to decide what he wants to do next, and I rightly so because he's been such a you know great servant to this football club. The other two, I think, are surprising. I think we all presumed when Asmir Begovic announced that he was leaving on Saturday evening that Andy Lonergan would perhaps maybe also be on his way and uh, uh, kind of restructure the goalkeeping department. What would be undertaken this summer? Maybe Jal Virginia, you know, someone you spoke to recently might come back into the fold, but you know. Tom Heaton was a name mentioned by all those supporters, given, you know, he's he's left Manchester United. Yeah, I think there was a feeling maybe when Begovic went that Lonergan would also follow suit and, you know, we might see a freshening up of, of the understudies to Jordan Pickford because, obviously, you know, we, we all know he's Everton's undisputed number one and, and will long be for as long as he wants to be, essentially. Tom Davis, I think, is the real surprise and one. I think um, for him to be offered a contract is quite interesting, perhaps indicates where the summer's going, maybe in terms of, what's available financially and also maybe what's Sean Dyche is thinking in terms of, you know, this is not a time for gambles. He's going to go with 
players he knows and you can trust and he knows what he's going to get out of. Um, but of course, these are only contracts that have been offered. You know, Tom Davis could yet turn, turn this contract down. He spoke quite openly, didn't he? I think it was uh, just after the World Cup in December where he, you know, he missed he wants to play first team football. He'd been frustrated by his, his lack of opportunities and them opportunities certainly didn't increase once Frank Lampard was replaced by Sean Dyche. So you suspect that things haven't probably changed there in terms of what he's been thinking in terms of the opportunities he's got. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit surprised, I think, to, to say the least, that Lonergan, not so much maybe Randall Lonergan, but certainly Tom Davis has been off the deal. But like I say, you know, these are just contracts that have been offered. You know, they've not been signed. And, you know, we could yet in a couple of weeks be reflecting on Tom Davis leaving, having, you know, rejected the offer that I've made to him. Yeah, if, if you're Tom Davis now, obviously you know, played well over hundred odd games for Everton. I think it's about hundred and seventy odd games now. Obviously, he burst onto the scene and looked so good for so long. But the last few years, he, I mean, he's really wrote a piece earlier on in the week about his you know, the potential contract decision in relation to his case. And when you look back at his last few years, he's been unfortunate with injury. And one of the things that kind of struck me almost most poignantly is the timing of the injuries when he's had them quite often. And I think, you know, this obviously it's clearly misfortune from his perspective. When there have been opportunities that have opened up within the heart of Everton's midfield, he hasn't been fit to take advantage of. And I can think of two occasions already, you know, from the top of my head this season. So obviously those first few games or you know, the, the Chelsea and the Aston Villa games, Everton started with a makeshift centre midfield. I mean, Alex Awobi at that point had never really been used in centre midfield, but Lampard had no choice but to play Decore and Awobi in, in a flat central midfield because of the injury problems. He did it against Dino Kiev in the final preseason friendly, then he did it for the whole game against Chelsea. And, you know, you looked at that and you just thought if Tom Davis was fit, he would he would probably have had a chance there to be one of Everton's starting central midfielders. And that would have come at a time before the end of the transfer window, which although there were talks by that stage were well-developed for Idrissa Garner-Gay to sign, James Garner hadn't yet signed. So there was a chance that if things had gone differently for Tom Davis, he could well have got himself in the first team at the start. And if he'd have started well, might not have signed James Garner and potentially gone from there. Similarly, I kind of look over that World Cup, the international uh, break when Everton went out to Australia. And he had a scenario where you know, I was fortunate enough to be out there with, with the squad as well. The only fit centre midfielder that Everton had available to them at that time who was a, a senior centre midfielder was Abdullah Dekore, and he got injured in the first game, so, which is why Isaac Price, another player who's left, another centre midfielder, to go first-team opportunities, he's going to Belgium to Standard Liège. Well, he's shone as a result. Tom Davis went out there, suffered a really bad injury and had to fly back immediately without kicking the ball in either of the competitive games. It's another chance for him to potentially... You know, put his name, especially with Garner being out for a long time at that stage, and Everton going through a run before and after that break, where well, the results were quite frankly terrible. And if there were opportunities for someone to come in and freshen things up, you think Lampard may have have taken it. So he suffered a lot of bad luck. I think that's fair to say. I think it's also important to say that we all wish him the best, and and nobody wishes ill on him or any, anything like that. We all want him to succeed, whether that be at Everton or if he was to go elsewhere. But having lived the past two years that he has lived and seen what he has seen under the various different managers, would you sign that deal or would you look to move on and, and find somewhere else to go and apply your trade? Um, depends what the deal is, I suppose. 
Say it's the same term. Yeah, it's, 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 it's you you probably say. I mean, how old Tom now? Is he twenty five? Is he something like that? Twenty four, I think. Oh, yeah, so he's still relatively young. He's he's answering his peak peak earnings window, isn't he? Really, from the ages of twenty four to twenty nine. Um, it depends what offers are on elsewhere. Really, what what people you know, if he moves on a Bosman, whether he can get money up front and stuff. So it's a different. It's what Tom wants. Is I know he's got some local business connections, as he's things like that. Um, so there may be that aspect to it. I mean, it, if you're a football player, you'd want to move, wouldn't it? Because it's his fourth or fifth choice last year, and there was times where, as I think Connor said before, he's come on like Colgate, he's getting picked ahead of him in midfield. It depends what your ambitions are. Joe, to be honest with you, I am what's on the off, I'm what's on offer from other clubs. I, I personally would move because I'd want to always want to play football. And let's face it, there's been he's not got another midfield on occasion set aside into this issues then you know then you probably yeah you know you you, you what you can do at Goodison now is limited so I'd move to be honest but yeah but at the same time you may say well I've got I like living locally I like the the culture around the club and the living in Liverpool city centre and so on and that's where something to me. And for him to have the first team squad and the life of the if he play, you know, if he stays, he'll play at some point. Then that that's something that I'd want to do. It's a difficult one. I'd go, but I don't think it's a straightforward decision. I also said, think with Davis is is it's a bit the opposite of Connor Cody. We were talking about on Monday, where said so Connor Cody has been his contract or whatever has not been renewed or signed because. He's a victim of circumstances. The club have got to pay you 4.5 million up front. Davis is in the opposite position, isn't it? Where the club's circumstances have probably benefited them. Because if the club had money to spend, I don't think there's any way that his contract gets renewed. No, no, I think that's a really interesting point because it kind of. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what perhaps I just tweeted this, uh, but for, for my own kind of self righteousness, I'll, I'll talk about it. I think it's probably more indeed. The offer of a new contract to Tom Davis is probably more indicative of what Everton's summer is going to be like. You know, yeah. Probably the where to look for when you're looking for clues here rather than focus on the individual. And to me, what it says is it says, that as, and I think, not to sound clever, because I think we've all suspected this for, for a while and written similar, you know, it looks like it's going to be a very tight summer. No, you know, Trying to you know, tight purse strings, constrained. Any resources are focused on the areas that clearly need focusing on, and that has to be first and foremost up forward options. And then probably secondary to that will be a degree you'd maybe look at a fullback, someone that could possibly play on both flanks as additional cover to Patterson, Coleman, Godfrey, and Mikalenko. Probably someone that could actually challenge to start on either flank if possible. Um, and that's that's precisely it. I suppose if you're looking, you know, Davis isn't one of the bigger owners at the club, and you know, whereas with Cody, it was a case of having to spend five million pounds in his wages to keep on him. I suppose if you're to, if if you get rid of Tom Davis, you're looking at that. Dykes likes to play free in centre midfield. You've got four senior centre midfielders. Um, you're going to have to get a fifth in. You're going to have to find so. Bearing in mind, Everton probably don't have the budget to be signing centre midfield challenge for first team positions. You're then looking to spend a little bit of money, a little bit signing on fee if you're getting them on a free, new wages, 
to for someone who's happy to come in and effectively sit on the bench. And I think it's important to this conversation, as a bench that we know that Sean Dyche doesn't like to use, even when he's got options available to him. So it's not like you've got the promise there of 20 minutes at the end of every game. Clearly, Dyche doesn't like to do that unless he unless he really has to. Um, it's clearly a case of avoid all risk and stick to what you know, I think. And, and in that case, it probably has benefited Tom Davis because they know exactly what they're going to get with him and how much it's going to cost. Yeah, and also as well, the last thing you want to do at the moment is 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 the club, club to take cash out of the club, isn't it, really? Especially for the fifth-choice midfielder. So you don't have to pay a transfer fee if you keep Davis. And, and also as well, I think there's something in, I would like to think there's something in there it takes scouting bandwidth and recruitment bandwidth where, you know, that you've got to find another midfielder. So rather than looking for the fullback, as you say, we spend now spending time looking for the fifth choice midfielder. So there's that aspect to it. The other thing I'd say within that, though, and it's quite enlightening, that if the Begovic story is true, that I find it baffling that, that Begovic, if it is true, is they've offered the contract to Begovic, that's actually, he's rejected in that context because surely... He's not gonna. He's not hurting your wage wise like at the moment. Giving him a little bit more money, he's one of the best. You know, he's one of the best number twos in in the Premier League. So it makes a hell of a lot of sense, especially if at some point you know you get to August and Jordan Pickford's others, you know, head turned by another club. You've got Begovic. You can come in and do a job for you for half a season. And if that's the case where Begovic has rejected the deal because it's not good enough, then I find that baffling. I would like to, if 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 that's the case, I would the club. I would just say, okay, yeah, we will we'll keep yeah on the same basis. I would, we want to keep Tom Davis. Yeah, and- I, I I largely agree with that guy because I think that you know it, it's clear that there isn't going to be a huge amount of money to spend, and what's probably going to have to happen is any any excess funds, any extra, any frivolity that can get there in the transfer market is probably going to have to come from selling someone. They've only really got two obvious assets, and that is Pickford and Anana. Now, Anana, there are a lot of centre midfielders that are available this 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 summer. You know, he he plays. He's had some very good games, and we know in particular his standout game was Deitch's first game against Arsenal. And after that, the Arsenal the Arsenal dressing room was blown away by him because he ran them off the park, like some Martin Odegaard. And that would taught he was on the he was the name that was on their lips after that game because they could not deal with him. They recognised that there was a player there. But he is someone that's blown hot and cold, understandably given his age and given his lack of experience at Premier League. This is obviously his first first season and in a struggling side with not much backup. So he was always going to have ups and downs. But if you're someone like Amadou Anana, obviously Everton have stayed up, which means they're in a better position to negotiate. He's going to spend, he's, he's going to be worth more money than if they had to sell him if they went down. And you look at those big six clubs, the ones with the money to spend on centre midfielders, where they've already got the options. We know, well, like, not that Anana would ever go to Liverpool, I, I suspect, but obviously McAllister has been available going to Liverpool. You've got Moses Caicedo available. Players, you know, the clubs know a lot more about Caicedo than they do about Anana. And then you, you even, you, you move down to likes of James Madison, James Ward-Prowse, um, you know, uh, Keenan Dewsbury uh, Hall. Yeah, there are a lot of centre midfielders that are probably available for the right price over the course of this of course, this summer. So I don't think you could bank on anybody coming in for Anana, which then leaves Pickford as the obvious. We know that Chelsea Manchester United are probably out the legacy goalkeepers. Their long-term um, options, Loris and, and De Gea, getting towards the end of contracts or having difficult seasons, certainly in the case of Loris, Pickford's probably the biggest, he's probably the best 
most proven Premier League goalkeeper, international goalkeeper, a club where I think we'd all have to accept is performing below what his his level of his threshold of ability. So if you want to retain the option to sell Pickford if the right deal comes in, then really what you want to make sure is you want to make sure you've got your bases covered and you've got the backup there already lined up in case he does. And in Begovic, you've got backup that costs nothing. In case there is a significant drop-off from Pickford to Begovic, and I'm not saying you wouldn't look to maybe reinvest some of the money to get someone to challenge in or be a long-term replacement for, for Begovic, but you're creating a problem where there isn't, you know, for the sake of, we don't know what the negotiations were, but you know, for probably what may have been the sake of a couple of thousand, you know, a couple of ten of thousand, something here, here and there, Obviously, there was protection against a big problem there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's hard to see Everton allocating funds to signing a, a new number two goalkeeper. They have got a number of young keepers there. Shao Virginia is someone that, I mean, if anybody follows the Echo, follows me, I had an exclusive interview with him that, that we, we put out earlier on this week. And he's someone that's been on loan for, you know, across the last three years and Dutch league had a difficult season. The Dutch some good moments, bad moments of Dutch league, but played Champions League football for um, sport in Lisbon um, and a lot of youth youth level. Even even he's probably the most experienced backup youth goalkeeper that they've got there. And I mean the the drop off still is quite substantial between him and and Asmir Begovic. So if he is to end up being this backup, and he might not be, they might sell him. They might look to loan him out again. I, you know, I, I personally don't know, but. Um, it feels like they're at risk of leaving themselves exposed in an area which, one, is predictable where they might end up being exposed in, and, and, and two, having had two years of lessons where the overriding lesson of the last two years surely has to be have strength and depth in key positions. How that isn't, you know, how that... It was, you know, it was unforgivable that they end up in a scenario where they only really had Dominic Calvert-Lewin as a striker for this season, bearing in mind his past injury issues. Um you know, you'd think there wouldn't be any any naivety in relation to that going forward as well. I mean, Connor, where's your head at with all this? You mean Gavin just on a hell of a lot of talking? I mean, do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? I think ultimately, for for me, it raises questions about what the actual plan is again, because like we just said, there on one hand you're offering a contract to midfielder to prevent us having to go out to buy another midfielder who's probably not going to play, but yet we've not probably offered the right contract to a backup goalkeeper who we know can come in and do a job when required and you know part of the is a solid pair of hands basically you know in terms of you know when called upon you'd have no hesitation in seeing them between the sticks so for me it just raises a question about what the actual plan is again moving forward because it seems like we've made one decision around this is where we're going to go moving forward to no no we're going to go this way in the space of you know what seems a couple of weeks couple of days so for me, I mean, I just think that the problem Everton have got is they're not in a position to ultimately be buying squad players. They're just not. Because any player who comes into Everton's squad has to be in a position to be able to go on and improve what is already there. They're not in a position, like we said, to bring in a fifth-choice centre midfielder. They bring in a midfielder, it's got to be someone who can 
make them better because every penny counts and every penny should be spent wisely. So for me, that's why I think the whole, certainly the Begovic thing, I find it a little bit baffling that if he's been offered a contract and he's not taking it, I find it a little bit saying he seemingly by that message wants to stay and it all kind of leads to the fact that he was offered a deal that perhaps wasn't on the same terms as what he was offered or he'd been, been on at a football club, which I find a little bit worrying and surprising. But yeah, for me, it just, it just raises questions about what way we're actually going here and what, what the plan is because, you know, let's face it, this is Kevin Fellwell's third transfer window when I was there to the football. You know, Sean Dyche's third proper one, although he was, you know, there for the final few days of January. The past two, you know, haven't been great, if we're being honest. You know, when it comes to Kevin Fellwell and recruitment, I think a lot of it was a good sign. You know, they show flashes. Garner come good towards the end of the season, but, you know, within that, there was Ruben Van Agre, who, you know, was pretty anonymous for the for large parts of the season and wasted, essentially, a loan spot. You know, Neil Mopay was, was a disaster. January, you know, we failed to we failed to bring in a centre forward when we desperately needed one. And everyone at the football club knew from, you know, probably October, September that we needed to bring someone in January, and we failed. So this is just some way they've got to, not maybe so much get it right in terms of what they spend, but at least put a plan in place that signals we've learned lessons and this is how we're going to approach things. And for me, the retain list and where Everton currently find themselves raises more questions than answers. And I think you know, but not for the first time when it comes to Everton and recruitment and. You know, decisions in our transfers, we're all left scratching our heads, wondering what what's going on. Yeah, that's that's. I think it's also fa- important to be fair to to Kevin Fowler and, and probably Sean Dyche and that as well. In the sense, obviously, yeah, this is essentially our first glimpse at the movement around this summer. You, you would think there'll be a wider strategy, and and maybe more will become clear in time. Um, but it, it there are certainly a lot of questions, and, and yeah, kind of like you're saying, obviously. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a big it's a big summer for for Kevin Farwell, isn't it? You know, third transfer window, and I mean, another thing. It's a, it's a joke. There's there's an argument to say that they've got the the list wrong, mm-hmm. and that the three going are probably the three you would look to keep because Yeri Mina is the best centre back the club's got. All right, okay, he's got injury problems. Isaac Price was a, a talent coming through a midfielder, you know. Could in the long run save the club millions of pounds. You know, we all see how good he can be. And Begovich is a, a really good back of goalkeeper. And yet, them three are the ones who are the partner. And the, you know, the three have been offered new contracts. Seamus Coleman, who, you know, not going to get on to you know, be grudges his, his new contract, but it remains to be seen when he'll be back of it. Fifth given, you know, the guy stayed at Leicester. Andrew Lanagan, who's not kicked the ball forever and in the, you know, was it two, two years he's been here now? A year and a half he's been here. And Obviously, you know, Tom Davis has been off the deal despite, you know, being fifth, sixth choice in the pecking order. And, and let's face it, just showed signs more of not being able to kick on and maybe hit the heights that we, we once imagined. So there's an argument that he could, he could slip it and say they've actually got it wrong and that the three they should have kept are the three depart and the three who, are, who, who could still be around the club are the three who could have said, well, actually, maybe it's time to, to go separate ways and, and do something different. I think another interesting element that you know, we, we haven't touched on yet as well with this and in, in, in relation to offering Davis a deal with money tight as we suspect that it is, and that is it suggests that there's probably a hope or it suggests that maybe there's an expectation that they're able to get rid of Deli Ali, Gomez and Gabamin because they've got three centre midfielders that are coming back to the club all under contract for a year all on big wages 
all of whom, you know, it's questionable whether other clubs will have the first the desire and then the relevant resources to be able to to take them away from Everton. And if you end up in a situation where, for instance, you're committing to Tom Davis staying and committing funds to that before you know whether or not there are suitors for Deli Ali, Gabamin and Gomez, well, Everton could end up in a situation where, you know, two, I mean, Gomez had a good season that you would think that he'd be able to get at the very least, get go, go, Gomez out on loan if he's not part of Deitch's plans there. Um, but we, and we know that Gabamin is is keen for a move. His agent's been speak talking up the the prospects of leaving Everton this summer. But again, he's got to find someone willing to pay him and pay his pay for pay some sort of fee for him and his wages in the first place. And judging by his last two seasons, I'm yeah, you know, I'm not sure how. Obvious, you know, suitors. How obvious suitors will be desperate to be uh, to be signing for him. I mean, they could end up in a situation where, at the minute, we're looking at this as Davis's fifth choice centre midfield. He may well still be fifth choice centre midfield. There's a big difference between him being one of five midfielders and him potentially being one of seven or eight. And then all of a sudden, then you start to, and it almost strikes me a little bit of where where I where where I'm trying to get to. I think in in, in raising this point is it, it makes me slightly worried of a repeat situation to what we saw over Christmas where there was an expectation from all areas of the club, from Frank Lampard to Kevin Farwell to Denise Barrett-Blacksendale to Fahad Mashiri, the forward options would be signed in January. In advance of January, they let Salomon Rondon go. Now, when, when Salomon Rondon left, uh, you know, it agreed to an early term, a mutual termination of his contract, it just looked like such a sensible move. Lampard didn't fancy him. It was easy to understand why he didn't fancy him. He's on a wage and it just cleared the decks for somebody else to come in. It looked like the very logical first step, opening shot ahead of a tra- January transfer into which they might bring two or three, four, one or two forwards in. In the end, no one came in. And you kind got to look at I mean, there were, there were times over the past... You know, three months under Sean Dyche, where I was sitting there thinking, we well, you know what? I think he'd probably take Avin Sand. I think Rondon would probably have started some of those games. He at least would have got a chance. Yeah. He's been a good option. As, as, sad as, that, as mad as that sounds. As mad as that sounds. And the, and, the, and there is a danger that you're all, you're, they're gambling. And the problem and the, the problem that we've got is that time and time again, over perhaps the last two, two or three years, we've shown that the gambles haven't tended to pay off. Um, and, and that's that's a di- no. Obviously, it's you know it's limited fa- sum, sums, etc. Obviously, Davis isn't a particularly big earner, and you know it may well be that there's there are suitors there for for other players and things like that. You know, we we don't know the, the full context in which someone like Kevin Fowler or Sean Dyche is operating. But again, you know, it's an interesting one when it comes to Davis and that bigger picture of. What happens with these other three centre midfielders as they come back into the squad and the wages they're going to allocate? It does make it, it does add an extra dimension. There's a, there's a danger, isn't it? That the, the, the central midfielders next season is going to be the centre half of the past season, isn't it? Really? We've got we've got, got too many of them. And um, we could have Davis. Um, Davis could be the eighth choice midfielder. And um, I, I suppose, I suppose, really. One of the things is that, like, if I don't know if Gomez, we spoke about this on Monday, so I don't want to go on about it too much. If they sold an Arna and they've got a surface in midfield, it's not like they wouldn't replace an Arna. They just try and muddle through. Yeah, that's quite a good shot. 
especially with the way that James Garner played so impressively at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that might be something that they're looking at. But um, yeah. again, the problem, the problem potentially there is, you, you say, kind of making a third move in anticipation of another jigsaw piece falling into place later down the line when actually you don't know if it's going to the worry is, though, is, is that the three we've just spoke about there, in terms of moving through with them possibly next season, is they've all shown in the time of the club that they're probably not good enough. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a reason why they're all out on loan. You know, Gabamon probably looks like that ship sailed a little bit. Gomez probably doesn't look like he's got the legs, certainly, if you know, if you know, if we play the more kind of 4 4 2 4 4 1 1 formation. And you no, know, Delhi Ali, unfortunately, just looks like a bit of a lost cause, doesn't he? You know, if Sean Dice could get him playing and get him back to some sort of, you know, character, what we what we saw under Pochettino when he was at Tottenham, I don't think he'll ever be that player again, but at least show flashes of it on a regular basis. He's done a hell of a job because a lot of the managers, you know, including people like Mourinho, couldn't couldn't get that out of Delhi Ali. So it just seems a big ass now all these years on. So I think the worry for me is is that you know it's, it's kind of Muggle through with players who, who aren't good enough, which you know, you saw the other centre half. That's essentially what we did last season, wasn't it? Or this season, just one. We muddle through with players who we, we all have doubts and questions over to whether they're good enough or not. <laughs> that, that's what we've done kind of for the last couple of seasons across yeah. the squad, isn't it? I'd say we, yeah. we, we, we muddle through with no centre forward, we muddle through after Christmas with, with very little centre fullback options. Yeah, I mean, the only area where we've not muddled through is probably goalkeeper. But we, we, we've now got a model through at number two goalkeeper, haven't we, really? So, at various points over the last couple of years, we, we, we've either had too little in that position or too many. Yeah. And it's, also, it's, like, it's like one of those snakes, isn't it, where you press one end and the other end popped yeah. up, you know? And that's a bit like what our, our squad's been, hasn't it? And, and there's lots of reasons for that. But I, I do think... Um, yeah, you know, the obviously also can say is the club obviously have not listened listened to the podcast on Monday. midfield and will have to go by offering a offering some a contract. But I did the thing is whether he accepts it, but just an interest to Mark. And it's to Tom Davis, to Tom Davis, uh, Begovic thinking that I'm struggling with at the moment. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think as well. Not think what, you what you see there in terms of you know for a, a few years. Even if you go back under Carlo in the season, you know, his full season with the club, they were ultimately let down that season as he didn't have the squad depth. They had a good 11. But once the injuries and suspensions yeah. kicked in at, at times throughout the season, he got the you know, Luca Dean when he got injured for a little bit, then the core, you know, got injured, didn't he? And James missed a few games. The, the lack of squad depth showed in, and that's why ultimately they fell away the way they did, because they didn't have the place to come in and replace what was in the start 11. So you can even go back as far as, as, as Carlo, kind of, essentially, for Muddle trying to muddle through. It's just the fact that he had to start 11 that was available more more than it wasn't. That was, you know, an exception. He could start 11, but on paper, the squad wasn't good enough and that's why he ended up finishing 10th. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Now, 
interesting. We had um, we'll move away from that slightly for the minute. Um, we had a you have another talk about how the season is finished as well. Yeah, you two, you two can attest to this. Earlier on, I sent you a list of um, a, a, a list of topics for, to discuss from the previous season, and we're already half an hour in, and we haven't even got to like the the, uh, the beginning stages of some sort of season review. Uh, and just before we, we get anywhere near considering doing that, uh, I was just going to raise, obviously, we had the, the pre-season fixtures announced um, yesterday, where, or at least three of them. And I think when you look at this, three, three across a week at the back end of July, where they, it's all the bees. Last summer we went to Baltimore. Last winter went to Bondi Beach. This this uh, this summer it's Birkenhead, Bolton, and the Bet365 in Stoke. So... Um, I think we, I think I think we were all anticipating it wasn't going to be particularly glamorous this summer. Partly because obviously Evan took so long to confirm Premier League safety. I think that had a degree of an impact on the on the plans. Um, but yeah, I mean, all within a, a safe journey. Not even far enough away for me to claim back a, a, a dinner on expenses from a service station. I don't think. Dave, could just say when you said that we went to Australia, Joe, I think you need yeah. to... Uh, <laughs> sort of yeah. 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 I don't remember us yeah. on ourselves on Bondi Beach, you know. I might have got on Bundle Sands Beach, but I was Well, so I think we need to qualify the, you know, question the way, but yeah. It was, I mean, but these are fluid, aren't they? I wouldn't say that's the extent of our pre-season ambitions. It's just Couple of ambitions. Can we? Can somebody do it on a Tuesday evening and start in the middle of July? You know, it will be. But I mean, but as you say, it is. That's one of the things about last season is. I mean, you're right. Some of this contact stuff we're talking about here is because some of it, the uncertainty at the end of last season, isn't it? Yeah. And and that it, that there's a lot to be said for knowing you're safe in February, isn't it? You might have had the poor season, but you know you're safe and you can plan. Obviously, yeah. you know, one of the things that they've got this summer is this, that the, the Premier League is running its own tournament out in America. And America is a, a, you know, a place where Everton have targeted for their own commercial reasons over the recent seasons. Obviously, went there last season and went there a couple of years before. And it's an area where they, they still see as a kind of a core target market for them because they highlighted that in, in some of the responses to the Fan Advisory Board's questions in, in, in January and February. And, and I have no inside knowledge on this, but when you look at the teams that are out there, which I think include Brighton and Brentford, it's very difficult to imagine that one Everton wouldn't have had an interest in being part of that tournament if they could have, if, if they were in a position where they knew they were going to be in the Premier League at a much earlier stage. And two, you would think that, you know, with all due respect to some of the other teams, they're in Everton are a significantly bigger name and um, they've already done a lot of groundwork and have a, a degree of a pull in America. So you, you would think that surely... Had Everton been say fourteenth, you know, in, in in February when things like that were being decided, that there may have been a desire to include Everton within those plans, and there may have been a, a willingness from Everton and a desire from their part to be part of it. But obviously, just like and it's the same, you know, this is where I have a degree, I have some sympathy for, for Kevin Farewell in particular. Obviously, the, the reality is because Everton have gone so far into the season with their status as a Premier League club unknown or uncertainty around it. Yeah, they're starting the uh, they're starting their summer transfer business four, five, six weeks later than some like Palace or Wolves, and you know when you haven't got much money to play with, and all right, there will be alternative plans, but they still can't action on one plan before they know the scenario, and they didn't know what their scenario was until the final game of this of this season. So 
you know, you look at all the, you look at that rung of clubs, which there isn't a huge amount separating them from Everton. You know, there tends not to be a, a massive amount between about tenth and seventeenth in in the Premier League, and with a bit of fine work over the summer or the right appointments in terms of managers, you can often kind of you know climb your way and start to make progress, you know, with some sensible decision making. But it's another problem that's been caused by Everton's struggles on the pitch, isn't it? You know, they 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 start disadvantage to everybody else because, you know, ball well, of West Walls, West Ham, you know, so many you've obviously got European football now. You know, even the likes of those higher up the table like Fulham and that they've they've all had a, a, a significant head start on Everton when it comes to planning for next season, haven't they? Well it's quite interesting, isn't it, that two of the opponents they're gonna play in pre season had the final week, ten days of the season worked out differently. Because we're in league opponents next season. Because they've been going to Stoke and if Bolton would have won beat Barnsley in the playoff semi final, they would have had a chance of getting promoted to the championship. So it's quite interesting in that sense that two of the opponents could have been league fixtures. It's using the season, has the last 10 days of the season not. I suppose, Connor, that's like, you know, the opposite of this is what you could have won. It's the sort of opposite of that. Well, I don't know where you see, was it Matt Jones just tweet last night? Nicky Gervais has been yeah. in the office with him. It sounds like uh, Gervais is talking about all the towns out there by Slav, you know. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> sounds like our pre-season tour, you know. But yeah, it is. Yeah, I, 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 I know that was rather pre-season two to three weeks shorter, doesn't it? Because of the delays then, and that's, that's not helped any, in any shape or form, has it? Yeah, I think it'll be a test. There's, there's still time. There's still time for for more plans to be announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... So they only they only played they only played four games last summer, but I think it was a shortened summer. Um, you know, I anticipate they'd surely play at least one game at Goodison Park, and I would be very surprised if there isn't some sort of training camp, yeah, you know, or or something else where you know Deitch gets to shout at them for. Um, you know, for 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 a couple of days on a on a training pitch somewhere, probably on the continent, or in the Highlands of Scotland, Joe. You never know. That's it. That's you never it. Know. <laughs> in the seventies, they used to have going off on the tangent. Say there was there used to be a a, a hill at Ainsdale called Bingham's Hill because Billy Bing was the manager. And he used to use the Southport manager where the club, the players had to run up to the top and back down again. You know, within in thirty seconds. You know, and and it was just it did, people who went and said it was like you know it was like cheap horses you know it said it was just it was just awful you know and then I like to think Dice has got I think it'd be good if Dice got something in him like that as you say a bit a bit of old school discipline won't won't go mess I think I think the interesting thing will be how many what you said they don't how many games they actually play so obviously they played four last year didn't they? Yeah. but remember in the we're in the yeah. states and Blackpool and Kiev at Goodison you know they were in three how many how many more games they will play you know whether Sean Dyche might favour a more, you know, game approach than because some managers differ. Don't you? Some managers prefer to do, you know, a lot of work on the training pitch and and you know, kind of minimise game time. Whereas other managers are a bit more traditional, prepared to play, get players playing games and get players actually back into the, the swing of things than you know, training grounds and, and and all the other stuff that comes with pre season these days. Yeah, I, I'm just this is something should have done as research. You'd be interested to see what he did at Burnley. Hmm. I think he, he went. He went to Spain a lot. I think. I think you know the kind yeah. of right. you know, the, the training camps there, where they have all the the purpose built facilities. They can do everything behind closed doors. And okay. you know, I, I could, from everything that we've seen of Sean Dyche so far, and I can understand this for competitive reasons. I can imagine he probably wanted to do a considerable amount 
yeah. behind closed doors where yeah. not many other people can see and certainly prying journalists like myself can't get in, watch, ask questions and then start speculating about the state of Everton's summer and next season. How will it I, I, You know what? <laughs> I, I think that's actually a very, very good strategy for the club. Mm-hmm. I think it's from his play. No, Kate, don't be in a public eye because you only show where we, 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 where we can't buy players and stuff like this and you know, we've got players that perhaps shouldn't be there who are here and stuff. And take the, the heat off the manager and then we get into stuff like ownership and takeovers and all this and the board is on the playing side of the side of the club club is keep it very, very low key. Keep out of the uh, limelight. In fact, you know, fuck yourself fuck yourself in Spain for six weeks wouldn't be the worst uh, worst thing to ask it, yeah. So, but seriously, I think that would be a very good strategy. You know, we're having a bit of a laugh about it, but that would be just take yourself out the bar and like. That's where, you know, in, in fairness to Frank, it wasn't all on Frank, but we probably haven't went wrong a little bit too much, wasn't it? Because they were very much in the public high last year because they went to the States. They made a big deal. But, you know, you think of the games, they were, you know, okay, sooner, but they were, you know, four classes behind Arsenal. I think everyone kind of saw that and thought, well, you know, geez, we're not exactly close the gap on on the Gunners. You know, then they were beaten 4 0 by Baltimore in a pretty, you know, embarrassing, high profile, friendly defeat yeah. as, as such. Then obviously they went to Blackburn, although they won that day. If you remember, you know, Donald Calvert Loon didn't play because he picked up a knock and was feeling a bit of bit of fatigue and stuff. And you can almost trace it back to there. That's when the Warren signed maybe should have, you know, should have been silent. But obviously there's your centre forward who's not been fit the season before, not been able to play in a friendly because he's felt a bit of fatigue and having to regularly rest and and obviously, you know, the Kiev game was it was a nice occasion, but you never really felt like a true test, is it? I think it was, you know, very much a, a bit of a Lord's Mayor parade show than, than an actual test. And all of a sudden, you know, past them four games, you find yourself playing Chelsea, could just on the opening day. And, you know, it's, it's a big step up, isn't it, from, you know, two embarrassing defeats in the States and then beating Blackpool, you know, ultimately you know, went on to struggle in the Championship last season and were relegated and beating, you know, Kiev in a, in very much a kind of a Lord Mayor's parade environment. So, yeah, I think you know, that's a, a really good point back out because like I, say, I think last season, maybe they were too much in the, the, the public spotlight. In the yeah, public. Yeah. He felt that the yeah. I, mean, I mean, that Minnesota game was where they lost 4-0. Yeah. I, I say I, I was there in the mood after that was 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 terrible. Um, I was there with uh, the, uh, the the good folk from Toffee TV on the pitch at Minnesota at the end waiting for Frank Lampard to come out and speak to us as we'd been told he would and didn't emerge and the next thing you know the, the everyone's on the coach back to the airport for the fly out with their tail between their legs I think that was uh, like I wrote quite a lot in the first half of the season about how kind of much of a wake-up call that it's it was a it was a massive wake-up call but it was also a big missed opportunity I think because you know it felt very much like that Minnesota game was the game where Lampard and probably certainly myself and probably a lot of other people just realized how stark the situation was there. So I think I found myself in the position uh, I put my hands up to this I think I was guilty of this of at the back end of this season which ended in the pal- I getting confused between this season last season and the season before and what to say now because of, we're in this never world but um, I thought the first relegation battle there was part of me that just thought that Everton were in were, were a, a, a good squad that was caught in a toxic cycle of just injuries and bad momentum and low confidence. And I kind of thought that maybe 
if you were to take that side out of the firing line in the Premier League for six weeks, give them a break, give them a rest, rebuild some of the confidence, that actually you had a squad of group of players who was perhaps you know three or four, five, six points better than how it performed. And with a good summer, they could come back and they wouldn't end up in a relegation battle. And when we watched that Minnesota game, it was clear that actually, no, this was a side that was in a bit of a mess. We did a lot of work to it. And Frank Lampard said that after the game, he came out, you know, that was the first time relegation was mentioned in the context of the season that's just finished. Was Lampard mentioning the R word in the aftermath of that Minnesota game, basically saying, look, we sold with Charleston. I need some strikers. And obviously, Dwight McNeil and then later Neil Mopay followed. But, you know, the reality was that Evan had a warning sign there and they weren't able to, to kind of, you know, use the rest of the window to solve some of those problems. So, you know, it really is an interesting one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, like I, I, I agree a lot with what Gav just said there about, like I actually think it's better for Everton to perhaps do more behind closed doors this summer to be more low-key. Um, you know, it was something that was very much the case at the back end of, of last season with Sean Dyche's arrival. It's far harder to get information out of Frank Lampard. He's more vague, he kind of, speaks around that questions a lot more. And and as frustrating as that is from a journalist's point of view and trying to kind of read him and read the situation, in in fairness to him, whilst it made my job harder, I think, I think and if I was him, I'd probably be doing the same because yeah. I don't know what there is to be gained about being more open at the minute. You know, it, it's not good news. Just try and protect the players, protect the group, let as little information out there as possible and just try and keep everyone as focused on you know, on, on, the, on the main things as they can. So, you know, I'd, whilst it whilst it could potentially, if it's if the plans are just the plans they've announced, it could deprive me of a, of a, of a little trip away somewhere or, or Chris Beasley in my stead. Or, um, and as I say, I think you know, there are still a few open weeks. I wouldn't be too surprised if they ended up doing something somewhere. Whether or not it's behind closed doors would probably be the question. You know, I, I can completely understand why they would want to do as little as possible in the spotlight this summer as little as possible because they're going to be in the spotlight whatever you know like there's going to be you know, whatever happens we're in for you know it's two months and three days until the season kicks off you know just even taken away from the from from training and preparations you know, the transfer window no one can control what goes on and on in in, in that you know it's uh, butterfly effect you know one player gets injured in one part of the world that can have a knock-on effect everywhere um but it's going to be a lot of talk about takeovers or investments, stadium, you know, potentially heading into the last full season at Goodison Park. You know, Everton has shown itself as a club that's absolutely incapable of staying quiet and staying out of the spotlight for good or bad reasons over the past few years. It's going to be the case again this summer, I should think. So if, if Deitch can do everything he can to make sure that he isn't on him and the players that are immediately under his um, under his auspices, then I think, I think he will do so. And I think he'd probably be wise to even, like I say, if that makes my job harder and it makes fans less informed as, as, as a result. Yeah, it's the, it's the it's the football equivalent in the 60s and 70s where criminals disappeared off to the Costa del Sol, didn't need to escape from the police. <laughs> <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the Costa del Football or whatever you would call it, but it makes a lot of sense just to play it okay, I think, this summer, if I was to put. A lot of the, the the criminals, a lot of the criminals now hide out in the uh, in, in the Gulf, so in, in in Dubai in the UAE. So that's opened up the um, the Costa del Sol for the football teams that don't want prying eyes looking at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, 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 we don't, if we don't see Everton in Benidorm on a team bonding session, you know, and we'll be disappointed. Still <laughs> yeah. 
you know, good, good, good old fashioned traditions. Everyone on team right out, but a team morale, team spirits. Everyone get yeah. bought out and then move on from there. What, what was it? Chinese Wednesdays, our Kendall back in the day. Now and Howard, they probably stretched into the Wednesday. Uh, yeah. so Wednesday. That's why I used to choose because they always yeah. thought. Well, bring bring back the good old days, you know. Howard's any wrong? It's the old part in itself, this isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think we've we've exhausted probably as all the time that somebody would ever want to possibly listen to us free. I think in this, so, I mean, my plans for kind of an end of season review, I think have gone out the window by courtesy of the uh, announcement just minutes before we came on air. So I think what I'm going to do is for 45 minutes in, I'm going to wrap this up here and then we'll be back on Monday for another pod. I'd like the idea of having just staying quiet for the next two and a half, three <laughs> days or so, uh, so that maybe we could get to the end of season then. But as we've all seen with the Blues, staying quiet is saying staying out of the headlines is very difficult for them to do whether they're trying to or not at the minute so maybe we'll never get to it but hopefully that'll be the plan for then it'll come off for next uh for next week in the meantime thanks everyone for joining us really keen to hear your views on the contact situation as well get in touch with we're all on twitter uh you know respond to us let, let us know what you think about this as well because as i say the, the tom davis and the asmir begovic ones i think in particular i'm really interested to know what fans think about them um, and we'll be back with you next week thanks ever so much for listening thank you you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo